Hello, and welcome to the Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis Show, aired every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Kat Cannabis is the international best-selling author of Surviving Cancerland and Intuitive Aspects of Healing, and host of Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod TV Show. Together, we will explore cutting-edge insights and philosophies in health, wealth, and relationships. Kat's guests will be ordinary people with extraordinary stories. Now, here is your host, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. Welcome to the Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis Show with author Robert Clancy. And, you know, Robert Clancy is a soul hitchhiker, but then so are you. Clancy says that soul hitches occur every day in interactions with others, like an interaction, uh, or, you know, that that is large or small that changes how one views oneself or an event or the whole world. It could be a chance run-in with a stranger or an intimate conversation with a family member that creates an indelible imprint on your soul. You hitch a ride on someone else's soul, and you are changed forever. Consider it hitching a ride on a big, beautiful, cosmic highway. Author Robert Clancy is going to talk about that today and about his book, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul. Welcome to the show, Robert Clancy. Well, thank you for having me. It's truly an honor and a pleasure. So, Robert, let's get right down to this because I just found this all so intriguing because it's all so true. How does one experience more of these incredible life-altering experiences? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I've thought about how many times these have happened to me. They're almost like a deja vu, but not not quite. So I had to find a word mm-hmm. to or words to, to describe it. So the soul hitch, because I feel that we all connect on that level if you're open to it. And it's really, for me, it's just having an open heart, being open to anything that can happen. And sometimes you're not expecting it. So it's like that right turn that happens in your day. You're trying to get from point A to B and you end up at uh, DEF and then ultimately D, you're thinking, <laughs> how did I end up here? And it was from those little soul hitches that, that happen. And, you know, I had one uh, heading down the throughway um, where I was just trying to get to Long Island as fast as possible from upstate New York. And, you know, I, I ended up in this throughway stop and I, I didn't hold the door for this young woman and she had arm canes and, and leg braces and I ran back and opened the door. But there was that moment in between the doors where our eyes caught and it was almost like we had a whole conversation in just a, a compliment that she gave me. And I sat on the bench and I thought, why am I moving through life so fast? I need to slow down because it's like running through a museum with your eyes closed. And that was one of those life altering moments. Mm, I love that. So you guys, you know, your eyes connected and you had a whole conversation. How true is that? How often, audience, have you had that happen? And and not on a sexual level. I mean, we know that that can happen, you know, in, you know, a nightclub or somewhere where we meet other people. But I'm talking about where two people connect uh, visually and you exchange a whole letter 
to each other. And that brings me to a, a page in your book, and it's about roadblocks. You know, you might have had a roadblock if you had not helped that woman. Um, or, or we, we end up throwing up our own roadblocks. So I want to read to the audience a portion of your book, and it's actually on page, uh, let me see, page 51. And it says, we don't need to change ourselves to be kinder. We need change only what we say to ourselves. The kindest among us are those who act in spite of the fearful and mean-spirited voices all of us hear. Oh, how true is that? You know, Robert, we can be our biggest and meanest critics. And I think I read somewhere (laughs) that a child actually hears something like a hundred no's a day when they're growing up. So that that fits right in with, with what you've said here in your book. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, and it was one of those soul hitches I had with a young lady who had cerebral palsy, and she was at this event, and we were the, I was the head of the conference for youth leadership development, and I remember her guidance department contacted me and said, you know, can we send this young lady? I said, sure. Does she done community service? They said, absolutely. I said, is she a leader? They said, yes. She fit the age, you know, bracket for the, for the event. I, and I said, sure, send her. And then there was a pause, and they said, well, she's in a wheelchair, and she can't speak. Um, she has to use a laptop to communicate, and is that okay? And I said, sure. Why would that not be okay? And they said, well, you're the first conference out of eight that we've called that said that, we, you know, you take her. Mm. And, you know, she had heard all these things, and at the end I had a profound experience. You know, there was throughout the conference, like the other kids in her group really rallied with her, but they all were on the same level by the end. It wasn't like she's were compensating for her she was just part of them and at mm-hmm. the end she she was sitting there and we we're all sitting in a big circle it was about 200 people and she said um i am you know i i know i my mother thought i couldn't be a teacher and i now know i can and she thought my disability was going to prevent me from doing that and um, the whole room, the whole room folded up because at that moment we realized she was saying it because we were focusing so much on her. She was saying it with her own mouth. Oh, my and, God. I mean, I broke down. Yeah, I broke down and I was crying. And later that year, I had another soul hitch with her because it was having a really bad day. I wanted to get out of work. It was like Christmas Eve and I get home and I'm pulling all the cards out of the mailbox. And I get all the cards, you know, and all the color potpourri that comes out, and you're kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. I see this last one, and it has a mailing label on it. I'm like, who's so lazy that they couldn't handwrite that? And so I opened that one last, and it was a letter from her. Mm-hmm. And it said, mm-hmm. peace and love for the new year from a future teacher. And it was written in her own handwriting. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So those kind of moments. So that's like one of those, you know, and I I get emotional just thinking about it because I know, you know, if I hadn't volunteered for that conference, if I hadn't been there, if the other volunteers hadn't been there, that life wouldn't have been changed the way that it was. And that's what, Mm -hmm. you know, you really think about what you do as a person and a soul. And that's a soul hitch that is continuing to this day for me because I'm still riding that, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, so one of the other things, I mean, that's a beautiful story, and, and it kind of leads into this as well, which is you talk about volunteerism as a catalyst for, again, life-changing events and joyful interaction. Tell us a little bit about volunteerism and what it means to you. Yeah, my definition of volunteerism is is how you are before your feet even hit the ground as you step out of bed. And you first need to volunteer a smile for yourself because that's your gratitude. And then you bring that out into the world. So it could be just, you know, volunteering to help somebody or open a door or just be kind or share a kind word to doing, you know, uh, where you work with Habitat for Humanity or you volunteer for some bigger things. But volunteerism to me is just how the DNA of your life should be. And it's where kindness happens. And for me, it's like each act of kindness you do through any kind of volunteerism is like playing a single note here. But in heaven, it becomes this beautiful, infinite symphony that's sung by angels for, for eternity for you. And it's that important to me. It, it's what love is. It's what everything is. And it's how we're all connected together. And sure, you can go out and, and join, you know, different causes and things. And that's great. I mean, I'm all for everything. Some people are too busy or they think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I've got four companies and trust me, I've got a lot going on, but I can still thread volunteerism in. And you do it through just bringing what your passions are. So I'm a martial artist and I, I teach and I have my own school as well on the side. So that's like one of my hobby things. I'm actually going to be going to teach classes tonight after our interview, but the, um, this past weekend, I had 27 uh, um, Girl Scouts come and learn self-defense, and I just volunteered to teach them with another master from another school. Oh, that is adorable. I, I remember being a Girl Scout. I was actually a brownie, too, <laughs> Troop 21 yeah. in Berlin, awesome. Germany. Yeah, that's when I used to live over in Europe. So wow. actually what you're saying is volunteerism starts with you, with yourself volunteer to give yourself a smile, a pat on the back. And, again, that leads to uh, the part that I read in your book about being our own biggest critic and saying something nice to ourselves and doing something nice for ourselves. So, you know, I love that. I love that. So you are, you were, you were just telling us that you are an entrepreneur with, with multiple businesses and you're an inspirational speaker and you're also an ordained minister. Tell us about that. Yes. <laughs> well, I had, I've been, you know, I started this Facebook page um, on December 1st, 2012, and I, I haven't missed a day. I've actually posted every single day since then. I write an original inspirational thought when I wake up in the morning. That's my volunteerism for the world, and I post it. And there's over 300,000 people following the post now um, organically uh, throughout, you know, <laughs> on Twitter and Facebook and and other mm-hmm. things, but, um, you know, it, it, it came out of that. And I think, um, you know, what if I didn't do that? <laughs> what if I just, you know, um, didn't take that step to, to bring that. So my minister, how that happened was people thought I was a minister just based on my <laughs> writings. And they said, are you a minister? And I kept saying, no, what are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and then I, I read it, I Googled it and it said, a minister is a spiritual person you know, a, a spiritual leader for a community. And I thought, you know, I am that. And so I, I registered, you know, I went online, you can sign up to be a minister. So I had to write an essay and get approved. And, and then I didn't, 
I didn't think anything of it. And the next thing I know, somebody contacted me and they, they, when I was introduced, they said I was a minister and I officiated a wedding and I've actually <laughs> officiated four weddings and I have two more this year coming up um, that I'm already booked for all the way to 2017. And, um, but they've been beautiful weddings and, you know, I have front row seat to love. I mean, what's a better seat to have <laughs> than right there? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And it, and it sounds like you stepped into a position that the universe was holding for you. Yes. <laughs> and it you know, was, it, and it felt, yeah, it was definitely like that. And I, I have one short story about the second wedding um, I mm-hmm. officiated. It was actually a referral from the first one from somebody in the audience. And I got a call on a Monday and it said, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, I think it's open. I looked at my calendar and they said, well, we have a wedding. Um, the bride would like to be walked down the aisle by her dad and they were going to be married next year. And can you be there? And he had cancer. And um, I got to witness this incredibly beautiful wedding with just intimate family members. And I saw this man walk his bride down, the, you know, his daughter, uh, down the aisle and you know he passed away a week later and during the you know just before the wedding he came up to me and he said this is about them I don't want this about me and I looked uh-huh. him in the eye and I said it really is about you it's about all of us here today and I said I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm going to say but you need to trust me and at mm-hmm. the end he said that was the most beautiful thing he'd ever witnessed oh. and you and you basically, yeah. that was one of the, uh, you know, one of the, the soul hitches right there. Yeah. yeah. Everybody there touched everybody else's soul and grew from it. Yes. Mm. And then I was at the wake for him the next weekend. And mm-hmm. when I walked in, the, the whole family just lit up, smiling. Oh, my goodness. Well... We are going to have to take a quick break right now, but as soon as we come back, we're going to talk about a life-defining spiritual experience that Robert had at the age of 19. So don't go away. We will be right back. Hey, Jenna, have you seen the TV show Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod on Channel 99? OMG, I love that show. It's with Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. She's an international best-selling author and Lori Boyle, the CEO of Lori Boyle Media. Right. They're hosting a personal development seminar, Retreat for the Soul. It's about your dreams, meditation, healing, and the subconscious mind. Ooh. It sounds fun. And rejuvenating. Let's go. Where do we sign up? Their website, wickedhousewivesoncapecod.com. Did you know that you can use your own radio show to promote your business and become a celebrity in your area or industry? Do you have a great idea for a radio show or a passion that you would like to share with other like-minded people? The Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod Radio and TV hosts Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis and Lori Boyle will show you how. Go to wickedhousewivesoncapecod.com. Do you have a great story to tell or do you want to write your memoir? Best-selling author Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis and Lori Boyle, CEO of Lori Boyle Media, are the hosts of the Wicked Housewives on Cape Cod TV and radio shows. Join their Writer's Workshop Intensive to get writing and get published. Go to wickedhousewivesoncapecod.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. We have with us today author Robert Clancy, and he's talking about The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul, which is a book that he wrote about soul hitches. 
He was talking about that in the first half of this show, and in this second half, we're going to ask him about the life-defining spiritual experience he had at the age of 19. But before we get to that, I'd love for you, Robert, to share your contact information with our listeners so they can get in touch with you. Sure. Um, you can go to guidetothesoul.com, and on there I have links to all of my social media. I also have a, a newsletter sign up, so it's uh, signup.guidetothesoul. And I have some uh, some gifts if you sign up. You get my Love's Awakening uh, poetry book for free, and I also have some guided meditations. So uh, guidetothesoul.com, and it's the same on Facebook as well. And how can our listeners get your book? Uh, it's uh, available. There's links on the website, but you can go to Amazon.com. There's Barnes & Noble, and any bookstore worldwide, you can order it and have it shipped there. So uh and I actually have uh, two books out right now, and I have two more on the way. <laughs> wow. Busy, busy person. Okay, so let's get to the, to the nitty-gritty here. Tell us about your life-defining spiritual experience at the age of 19, which you're going to be writing about in your upcoming book, uh, which is Soul Ciphers, Decoding a Life of Hope and Happiness. Correct. <laughs> yes. And uh, the reason that it's uh, decoding or soul ciphers is um, the book is it has these life um, little decodes that you can do at the end of each chapter. And I'm a programmer, so I'm the most logical person that you'll probably meet. I am. Uh, I actually got 100 on a logic exam. I am um, very scientific. <laughs> and then I had my spiritual experience at age 19. So the only way I can describe myself is I am Spock from Star Trek, kind of. I have this <laughs> logic and human uh, piece or something going on. And I don't know if I was chosen because of that, but I am extremely logical. And then I had something very profound happen that defies logic. So that's me. So at age 19, I was really at the lowest point of my life. I had lost um, a few friends to suicide and car accident. My girlfriend at the time that I had for several years from high school on, uh, we broke up and it was a very um, horrible breakup. And my other friends were away at college, so I was really lost. And I started just, I didn't want to feel anything anymore. So I started mixing like prescription drugs with alcohol. I was getting into cars mm. with people that were drunk and no one knew I was really struggling. And there was a waitress in the restaurant I worked in, and she said, I know what you're doing to yourself, and you need to stop. And she gave me the 50-yard stare, and I broke hmm. down. She rummaged through her purse, and she took out this little pamphlet on how to meditate, and she said, this has gotten me through some difficult times, and you need to go home and do this. And if I catch you in the bars tonight, you're going to have to answer to me. So I went home. I love it. And I, I read the book, and me being as logical as I am, I followed all of the instructions to a T and learned about the mind's eye and all these things. And I was meditating for three hours. That's a long time mm -hmm. to be meditating, I think. Um, yeah. And I thought I saw light, and I opened my eyes, and then my shoulders drooped because it was shining on the wall, and I thought I saw it through my eyelids, and I thought I was having a, an experience, you know, of some type. But the light I could not break the beam of. And that's when I realized the light was really coming from the wall. So I sat on the edge of my bed and I picked up the little booklet and I said, it doesn't say anything about this happening. So I'm going to watch this thing. And I got up and actually went over to it a couple more times. And it suddenly, 
um, while I was sitting there, it looked like it was a hole in my wall and the light manifested into an angel. Um, and that's when I said, Oh my God, out loud. And the, the thing opened up and an angel came into the room and it was like a ghost like figure. And I think she kissed me because her face came right to my face. And I actually backed up and went cross-eyed sort of when we were nose to nose. And um, I think she healed me. Um, Her palms faced me in this. I could see with my eyes closed, this like light going on to me from her. And she had the most beautiful face. I, I, I wish I could paint it for people and what I saw that day. And um, at the end, she touched me in the forehead with her index finger. And all I can tell you is I was plugged into heaven. Um, I know what love feels like and all those things. And I I went after this because my whole body got warm. And then she went back into whatever that portal, you know, the only way I can describe it. And I talked to myself in the mirror for about half an hour. And I Mm -hmm. had a conversation. And I said, you're going to have to live with knowing for the rest of your life. And no one is ever going to believe you. And I wanted to run out my front yard and scream at the top of my lungs and tell everybody. And I didn't tell pretty much anyone for the last 30 years. Um, I told my dad a few, about three years ago when my mother was about to pass away. And I knew she was going to pass away that night. And that's when Mm -hmm. I shared it with my family. So this is like a deeply, um, very personal experience for me. And um, I've had to live with just, knowing it's real and that heaven exists. And that's kind of the path that I took. Mm-hmm. And now you've shared it with us. We're honored. Yes. <laughs> thank, well, you. thank you. So, so let me see if I've got this right. You were meditating and then you noticed that there was light on the wall, but there was no beam of light to the wall. The wall just consisted of a beam of light. It was like a Correct. window that then opened into uh, another dimension and this this angel came through that looked somewhat like a ghost in in that what she she was like um ethereal or how how, if you had to describe it how would you describe her like made from light but translucent um like when her hand moved there was no, it was just pure white, just um, mm-hmm. like a ghost, you know, that what a typical mm-hmm. ghost would look like. And she looked like a Greek statue to a degree and mm-hmm. had, um, it was larger than a person too. She was about seven feet. So oh, it was bigger than a normal proportionally. And the name I was left with was Gabriel. Uh-huh. There were no words ever spoken it was just, um, I actually experimented. Um, I, I thought of something funny and I thought, can you read minds? And that's when she nodded and smiled. And then I thought, I better watch what I'm thinking. And uh-huh. um, it was communicated through, it's hard to describe. You know, I've gone to college. I've studied all my life. When you learn something or you're taught something, you have knowledge. Mm-hmm. What was given to me was just knowing. It's yeah. just, I just you know, know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there's a difference between believing and knowing. I, I, I mean, there's such a big difference. When you believe something, you're going on trust. Somebody told you something and you're trusting it to be true. When you know something, it's because you've experienced it, and the trust doesn't need to be there. You know. And so that's what's right. happened to you with this angel. You know. Uh, nobody had yes. to teach you that. It doesn't involve trust or belief. 
it is a knowing and um that that's that's a profound experience that's one that yes. that many people who trust and believe are hoping at some point to be able to embrace the knowing yeah and then on december 1st um i feel like the rest of the lens was cleared because i i got spurts of it over the years where i had inspiration but i woke up on december 1st 2012 and everything around me inspires me it's like i can be inspired by a fire extinguisher or a rose or a flower or anything and you know i was like i was driving under a bridge and then the words came in it just said the quickest way to cross any river of doubt is the bridge of faith. Then I saw a mm. flower and I thought some people, this was the word, these are the words. Um, some people leave their house and walk in the garden of life only to encounter thorns. But when I walk in that garden and encounter those same thorns, I know that among them there's a rose reaching for the light. And I just see it in everything. So I see this kindness and how important volunteerism is. And it's like, um, the universe almost requires that to grow and expand. And that's what is the energy of all of us and how we're connected to the very fabric of love. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I so agree. And that was so beautifully said. Well, we are actually down to like our last five minutes of this show. Can you believe it? It, it just went so quickly, <laughs> oh, wow. Robert. But I, I want to ask you about uh, your your spiral design studio. And I have to tell our audience, I had this like Freudian slip and I said, spiritual design again, this may be something he's <laughs> got to step into it, embrace, but it's spiral design studio, which is one of the largest full service graphic design and, and web development firms. So tell us about it. Sure. Because that uh, my is wife very I, left yeah. brain. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and uh, creative. And I, I view it that creativity comes, it's right there, and you just need to reach and grab it and bring it here. And all of our staff are, are like that. And we worked on some great projects. We founded the company about 27 years ago. It was my wife and I. And uh, we were, I, you know, as me being the logic computer programmer, it was a natural fit when design was moving over to computers. And um, we've worked on Guitar Hero 3, the, the whole marketing uh, online campaign for that. We developed mm-hmm. a website and a community site. We've done projects with Disney. We've worked with some major Fortune 500 um, companies on e-marketing as well as branding. So, you know, we're really blessed to have all of that. And I think where you keep getting the Freudian slip on the company, um, a lot of companies that we have synergy with are those that do great for the community and we help them be better so that they can do better things too. And it's all this reciprocity that happens. So I truly believe that. And we have some great, awesome clients, um, regional clients that are in upstate New York to international clients. So it's, it's quite a, a, a good run. And I think I don't have to worry about failing because uh, my wife might think that we are in the purge every time, <laughs> but 27 years, I'm kind of, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to let go of the reins now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because some of your, some of your groups, you know, are, are like Citigroup and Home Depot and Sears. I mean, those are huge. Yeah. Disney? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're, you're connected with some, some fabulous, fabulous groups. Well, we're down to our last 30 seconds, and I want to leave you with the last word. So is there anything that you would like to leave our audience with? 
Yeah, it's, you know, just get out there and make a difference. And it truly does matter. And like I said, I can see how how important love and kindness is in this world. And it's just if you can bring a light to someone and put a smile on someone's face, then then you've lived. Well, thank you so much, Robert Clancy, for being with us today um, and sharing all your wisdom with us. And again, uh, Robert Clancy is the author of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Soul. Make sure you check out his book because it is awesome. Thank you again for being with us, Robert. And we'll see the rest of you guys again next Wednesday, same time, same place, 3 p.m. Pacific and which is 6 Eastern Standard Time. And this show is going to be posted on my Facebook page, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis, the same as my website, Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. And check out my Cat Cannabis show page on Facebook for my Skype show. Until next time, everyone, have a great week and do some volunteerism, even if it's only with yourself. Thank you for tuning in to the Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis Show. If you would like to comment or have an idea for the show or have a question for Kat or one of her guests, please visit her on Facebook at Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. This show and previous shows are archived on Blog Talk Radio, accessible from survivingcancerland.com and accessyourinnerguide.com. Join us again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Until then, have a great week.